Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? Happy Saturday morning. Here we go. Uh, it's been an interesting week. Uh, it's been a fun, fun-filled week for uh, for me, um, and I hope for you too. Uh, tell me about your week, my friend. <laughs> uh, let's see. I went to the eye doctor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not talking about old people stuff. <laughs> um, so uh, first thing is on Wednesday morning, I got up and I sold out all of my stocks. Wow. I, I Wednesday morning. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, as my friend Michael Daly would say, we weren't in for a long time, just a good time. Yeah, of course. Of course. I, I can't stand prosperity. Um <laughs> So in 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 my defense, not that I need any because it's my money, and and right. and my and my heirs will suffer the slings and arrows and consequences of my irrational behavior. Please, um, I mentioned the end of last week. I was having trouble reconciling the notion of an of an impending recession with mm-hmm. owning equities. Right, of course, and then. Um, your pal over uh, Mike Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, yes. That was, that was the, the second and final straw. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I didn't follow Leslie's advice. Uh, I put in limit orders. And this time, this time, Hashem shined a light <laughs> upon me and I got lifted in an uptick. But I, I didn't. I didn't catch the highs or anything because okay. I got out on Wednesday. But uh, but you had a fruitful yeah. you had a fruitful a fruitful tenure in the in the equity market. Yeah. So earlier in the year, I did a trade, and um, I forget it was. I think it was in the munis, and um, I liked the levels, 
and then they rallied pretty good. And I, I still kind of like the levels, but I had this little devil on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. everybody's losing money. You made some money. Maybe take your fucking money and go home. And 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 uh, I did that. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this guy, this guy who old timers will remember, his name is Dennis Cartman. Who yeah, I read religious. Mm-hmm. I I read the guy religiously. I love the guy. Okay. You either love him or hate him. Um, understood. Anyway, uh, he would before he would do something like out of the blue, just sell a position. He would say, "Call a trader's intuition." Call it what you will, but this is what we did. And sometimes he was right, sometimes he was wrong. But that was his shtick. And I, I just got a little anxious with the stuff. And and so I sold it down to the sleeping level, which for me was zero. Um, <laughs> and uh, so um, newsflash to my muni guys, because they've become religious mm-hmm. observers of Ibwak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there's one of those days, is it Friday or Saturday at the Masters? They call it moving day. Moving day, Saturday. Saturday. That's Saturday, I think, yeah. Yeah. So Monday is moving day for some of these munis because they've they've done a nice job, and I think I'm going to lighten up. I I really like uh, giving myself some breathing room. So uh, one of the benefits of you being – uh, 20 years younger than me is your recollection is better than mine. Plus, uh, as a trader, we tend to overstate our victories and understate our losses, which is why the P&L clerks are always right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I had gotten to pretty much full risk and uh, I wasn't digging that. So, I know. You know, I'm I know. probably I'm probably like I got back probably to like seventy well, and if the muni guys come through maybe sixty percent of risk. What was bothering um, you? Well, a few things. One is um I'm convinced and we'll hear no no uh pushback that in four months we're in a recession. Yeah, you can't argue. I just with that. did. I, I, yeah. I, well, you can, but not with me. No, not um, with the two ten spread and with. I mean, BlackRock came out yesterday. Bank of America said, "What did BlackRock say?" BlackRock said like an unprecedented recession, and and Bank of America said, "Yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's coming." Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of things that quantitative tightening continues. We're definitely getting another couple of rate hikes. You know. Uh, and then the guys that gave Cal I read who I like, they're still not optimistic about uh, the economy. Mm-hmm, so I, mm-hmm. I think for me, especially as we handed to the end of the year, the Jewish guy hanging out for the Santa Claus rally seemed a little bit of mixing <laughs> a couple of things that shouldn't be mixed. Right, right. Conflict of interest, so, separation of church yeah. and state, all, all of the above. Yeah, all, all those things. Yeah. Can I can Plus, I can I fight you about the recession a little bit? Because you said it's a hey. recession. It, it's a, it's a recession when your neighbor loses his job. All right, and it's a depression when you lose yours. Right. Yeah. So when right. it comes to the recession, like. I know statistically, like the numbers, you can say, look, like growth, you know, the growth of math says that, that it didn't grow. It's a recession, you know, fine. But if you don't see it on Main Street, 
and the economy is still cranking along and there's certain pockets that they use that they splice out of that data like the housing whatever all, all the other data is you know whatever the growth number is yeah. but if people aren't losing jobs what right. else you know like how, what how well, does that it, how does it, that spill into the market cuz you know that I still lean on that bulletproof American consumer, you know, and I know the economy is not the stock market and the recession, but like the recession, I can see them saying, look, we're in a deep recession. There was no growth. Da, 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 I was stagnant. Is that because of inflation messed up the numbers? But like when you say recession, I see like the factory is laying off 10,000 guys and Sandusky, right. Ohio is crippled, you know? Right. Okay. Is that the well, same so thing you see? Yeah. Now, we're talking in the realm of economics, which I have no qualifi qualifications. Um, but, you know, the payroll numbers are, as I've said, complicated, right? And of it seems like the, um, the two surveys, like the employment survey and yeah, the yeah, household yeah. survey, are giving you different things. Then you get into this area where you need to hire people. Okay, but there's less people available. Yep, and one yep. interest, one interesting cohort is older people are leaving the workforce. So that means there's less people out there to hire jobs. So yeah, you you can have a slowing economy because uh, there's less people working because more people are leaving the workforce. If there are less people working, the unemployment rate will stay low okay mm -hmm. and there'll be and there'll be some wage pressure right and i guess one might make the argument the inflation pushes some of those people back into the workforce but you have this confluence of events we've talked about last week where consumer savings accounts are very high morgan stanley a few of these other guys predict by the middle of next year those savings will be depleted Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Re revolving credit aka credit card is going yep, up yep yep okay and we do have it's a three-ring circus out there right now right you have anywhere from chris rocos up 48 percent for the year bright bright kid by the way very respectful i, I always got on very well with him um then you have the uh you know, uh, Waspy Smith the third, who runs Tiger, down fifty-two percent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If if those two examples don't prove my philosophy about not investing hedge funds, I don't know what will. <laughs> right? Okay. But please give your money to hedge funds because that's what the smart <laughs> yeah, people do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, going back to why my mm -hmm, anxiety mm -hmm. level went up. Yes, 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 yes. Please. I, you know, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, they had this this kind of, I'm looking for the right word, but it's a, it's a dishonest, folksy way of saying things. Like, I, the term will come to eh? me eight, mm -hmm, eight, mm -hmm. eight seconds after the podcast yeah, is of over. Yeah, of course, of course. Dis, disingenuous. Disingenuous, yeah, so, okay. Yeah. yeah, so he'll say, imagine you have a ticket that you can get punched 10 times and each punch is one investment and you only get to make 10 investments your entire life. 
you're going to make sure those investments you do yep. make sense, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's punched the ticket like 48 <laughs> times, but that's that's him, and that's okay. Uh, but there is some truth to that, like much of what he says. There are pearls of wisdom in there, and and so uh, I've been reminded by one of our listeners uh, not to brag about how I went to all cash. <laughs> just in the nick of time, uh, which I did. But, uh, and then not that long ago, I went to all risk. I, I have become completely inured to the FOMO. I, I don't care. Um, when I see trades I want to do, I'm going to do them. And when I don't see stuff, remember one of those things I talked to you about when I would be on the trading desk and I would go around, I said, do you love that trade? Mm-hmm. And if I got anything, then yes, sir. It was like, well, then take the fucking thing off. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I know. you know, it's, it's wasting mental capital. It's wasting financial capital. It's wasting yeah. human, yeah. human capital, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. people, one of the things I'll, I'll, I find routinely when I talk to a trader, uh, generally not a, senior senior trader but either a, a middle level trader or more likely a personal investor we'll talk about something and i said well, just take it off and the question comes back is well what will i do with the money mm-hmm. like that's not the question the question is do you want the trade you have on yeah or mm-hmm. or, or not mm-hmm. so um, as my wife bemoans after she's had a glass of white wine at dinner, how years ago she wanted to keep track of a book of my little stupid sayings because they just aggregated to you know, <laughs> yeah, up sure. there with Yogi. But a lot of them I've a lot of them I've cribbed from people. Now you will recall uh, I had a brief tenure at a uh, French grain company mm-hmm. that uh, I knew right away. It was the wrong move. And I suspect they knew right away I was the Mm -hmm. wrong guy. But anyway, uh, I parted with friendly terms with one of the guys. The rest of the guys I couldn't give a shit about. But one guy's a good guy. And uh, I keep in touch with him to this day. Wow. But he quoted another fellow. And the other fellow's name was Bob Steele. And Bob Steele had a quote. If you don't know your position, don't trade. Now, for the bulk of my career, I've been a one derivative thinker. You know, so a one derivative thinker would be if you don't know your position, meaning you don't know how many shares of IBM you have, you don't know how many bonds you have, you know, don't do anything until you know exactly what your position is. And and by the way, is a person who traded many positions at once, that in and of itself makes sense. Because during the course of a busy day, you might write 200 tickets. And so it's not just a question of you write the tickets and everything magically goes. You got to make sure that they got posted. They Mm -hmm. got posted at the right price. Yep. Because God forbid the person you did the trade with wrote the ticket in his favor and you missed it. Never, that never yeah. happens. Never. Yeah. yeah. Sark. Sark. Um, but what I've come to realize is the second derivative of the Bob Steele comment is 
if you don't understand your position, right? And so you can look at one trade in a vacuum, and that's fine. But what I discovered at Greenwich Capital, and by the way, let's be sure to tick the Carvana Greenwich Capital box during okay. this episode. Yes. Okay. yes, yes. Um, one thing, when I got put on the hook for everybody that worked for me, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I realized, you know, if everyone had the same trade on and the trade didn't work, it was going to be bad time yeah. for MB. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I used to do that Abraham Lincoln thing where I took a legal pad and I drew a line down the middle and I'd write trades that make money in a rally, mm-hmm. trades that make money in a sell-off. And then I introduced the third column, which was trades that make money in an unchanged market. And so I would go through and I would make sure I had something that worked in a rally, something that worked in a sell-off, and something that worked in an unchanged market. Now, this mm-hmm. is for my group, right? Understood. Yep. So it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't exactly balance out. But the first thing I would do would be make sure everyone was within their limit because guys were always sticking their toe over the foul line kind of thing. But once I got through that, if I felt we were out of balance, I would, to my own book, modify such that I never felt like we were too far port or too far starboard. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I was invited to the Bellhaven Yacht Club recently, so I'm trying to lovely reference. You know, yeah, famous famous Jews I met while yachting. Um. Um. Yeah. So uh, I was kind of skulking around this week, figuring out what to talk about, and I'm just so sick of this crypto Bitcoin bullshit. Like dude, I'm talk so about it thank, more. Thank God, dude. I went on CNBC to look at the 210 spread to, just to check my numbers. And the four bullet headlines are the crypto.com guy and the SPF guy. I just I just want to put I just want to put it to bed for a week, you know? So go on. Go no, on. I, Sorry for interrupting. Just, 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 no, no, don't you interrupt. It's just a couple of things. Okay. So And this is in no particular order. Let's start Mm -hmm. with the funny part first. The chick with the big glasses and the buck teeth. Caroline Ellison. What's her name? Caroline Ellison. that's her. Yeah. So there was a picture of the paper of record, which is now the New York Post. Always has been. She's getting a cup of coffee at this coffee shop on West Broadway called Ground Support. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So um, we had bought that apartment in like 04 and sold it in 2014. And I was having a business dinner. I forget whether it was at uh, Pepolino's, recommended okay. by Leslie Harris, yep, or yep. Aurora okay. around the corner, which I, I can't speak to them today, but a few years ago, okay. um, they were awesome Italian, right? So anyway, Dave picks us up. And we're driving home and we're driving up West Broadway. And Cheryl starts screaming because we're looking out the window. We're passing ground support. And there's a fucking swarm of rats coming out from (laughs) under that restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) 
There is so much rat shit <laughs> under that coffee shop. That's how people get like. Um, oh, I'm that's sure, how plagues, dude. That's yeah, how yeah. plague starts. Yeah. So yeah, she's yeah. But, Good job. But you mentioned you mentioned I had an apartment on Wooster, which is one block uh, east, right? Okay. And yeah, I, yeah. I told you we got we had bed bugs in there. I told you that, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on, go on, go on. Well, I, I anyway. So, two thousand and four, I get it in my mind that I want to buy some New York real estate, and this is before Big Ed and the. I whole, was just going to say, is this Ed got you involved? Okay, okay. Right. No, no. This is once again our cub reporter Leslie Harris <laughs> says. You know, there's this new building that's going. It's not a new building; it's a rehab. Okay. So they've gutted it. He goes, maybe what you do is you go in and you buy it and you don't, you just leave it. It's vacant. You know, they put in a temporary stove and a temporary toilet so you can get a, a CO. A CO. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he says, just put it away when you're ready to, when you're ready to live in Manhattan. Interesting. Yeah. You, okay. So I think that's a, a splendid idea. So knowing I need to get two votes. Mm-hmm. Or, or really one vote, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I line up a day f- to see a bunch of other properties. So anyway, unsurprisingly, we go to this building, and it's construction zone. There's sawdust everywhere. I'm loving it, right? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is like, this canvas. Is, yeah. And I, I'm going in there, and there's the, <laughs> the exposed brick, and there's History. fire extinguishers. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a fucking like, legitimate loft. Awesome. And, I, and I'm awesome. like, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, done. <laughs> and I look at Cheryl's face, and it's like if if an expression in the dictionary said no fucking way, it's this expression, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> all she, all you needed was like a rat to run over her foot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I bet if we waited long enough, that would have happened. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the broker, being a savvy New York broker takes us like four blocks away to this new development on Wooster Street, which is, of course, is spectacularly beautiful, right? And, of course, it's twice the size. It's twice the price. The whole, no kidding. Yeah, but yeah. At, but at this point, the hook is set because she <laughs> of course sees it, it is. right? Yeah. And it's a, little, it's a little bit, and this is not an adversarial situation. I love my wife. We're best friends. But it's a little bit like the house here. You get a very narrow window, right? And she saw it, and I said, you like it? And she says, yeah. I said, well, let's buy it. She goes, okay. Boom, done. Right? So so we own this thing for 14 years, okay? And we never use it. I mean, I'm saying in 14 years, I I stayed there 20 times, right? Um, One night... So what would happen would be I'd go out to these business dinners, real estate dinners, and after a while the drive home Of course it got to be a little tiring. What am I so doing? I yeah. just I just spend the night once in a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one night or one day I come home and in the middle of the afternoon I start getting these little red marks on my abdomen. <sighs> and I, I, I go to Cheryl, what's this? And she's I don't know, what's Let's Google it. And she says, I think you got bed bug bites. 
And I'm like, what? And we go online. And, yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember when this was a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So we, we get the dog oh, that sniffs for the, the – and his name is Jeter <laughs> and the whole thing. And the guy comes. And now I'm, like, totally creeped out. Right? Of course. Of course. I, now the place is I, dead I, to you. <laughs> I, I've got 4,500 square feet that has that has – Every 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 inch is microscopic plague. <laughs> wallpapered, brand new furniture, custom. It's a whole fucking thing. Incredible. It's like it's like it's the guy from incredible. Yeah. Don't worry about breaking the rules. There aren't any. <laughs> <laughs> so now I realize I get bed bugs, and so I get the guy, and the guy comes in. And he says, uh, yeah, you get bed bugs. I'm like, well, I, I, this is new to me. What do I do? And he says, well, the first thing you do is you take off all of the paintings and you tape them up. You take all the clothes, you run them through the hot. Then you get the steam machine. And, it's, uh, and I yeah. said, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Pretend for a minute I'm rich. He says, I got the gal for you. And he hands me this card. And I think her name was Bess Friedman. And she's the, uh, she was, I don't know if I have the name right, the bed bug expert. So I call her up. She goes, basically, it's Morris, I'm your gal. How about Tuesday? I'm like, great. She goes, it's expensive. Don't care. See you Tuesday. I promise you the bed bugs will be gone. Okay. So she comes and does the whole, does the whole thing. And it, it, it relative to what I had expected, it was free. Yep. I, I understood. thought it was yep. going to be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is where the story gets a little funny. I mean, other than shit happening to me being funny. Um, so now it's all tested. The dogs come, there's no bed bugs, this and that, but it's, it's working in my kitchen. Right, I got this thing going in my mind, so I come home from dinner, and uh, that was back when the days when I used to drink a little too much, and so uh, sometimes when you have too much alcohol, you can become a little paranoid. Okay. So I I crawl into bed, and I'm starting to fall asleep, and you know my skin starts itching like Mm -hmm. oh no it's like a fucking bed bug and i look and there's no bed bugs but i'm like i can't sleep in here so i get up and i'm the only person in this place right of course of course it's cat it's fucking cavernous Mm -hmm. so i'm Mm -hmm. like well this is where the bed bugs were right (laughs) so i go i walk down to lisa's bedroom because there were never any bed bugs in lisa's bedroom of course lisa's at college so i I go to sleep in Lisa's bed. And then I wake up 45 minutes later, still hammered, paranoid, thinking, hang on. I brought what them. if they can smell me and they chase me into Lisa's room? <laughs> Obviously. Right? So, so now I can't sleep in there because my skin's itching. Yeah, right? Yeah. So I get up and I walk into the living room and I get on the couch because – there were no bed bugs on the couch. Yeah, they don't like the couch. They're bed bugs, not couch bugs. <laughs> so I slept there. Finally, at like three thirty in the morning, I got dressed. Time and, to go to work. <laughs> uh, blue rib, blue ribbon was closed. 
Yeah. Marcio, Marcio wasn't picking me up till 6 a.m., so I went over to like the Empire Diner and sat there for two hours. And we put the fucking thing on the market the next day. <laughs> which, by the way, which, by the way, very close to the high. I mean, it was it just it worked was out. Fortuitous. So, Dude. anyway, I hope that gal getting her coffee is yep. fine. Yep. Um, I keep having these things, and I know, uh, you know, that term we like so much, perseverating, yep. where people, it's, they say the same thing over again, over again with no new information. Okay. I'm stuck on two things now tether and that grayscale trust. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the grayscale trust? You've heard of course, it? Of course, yeah. Yep. Yep. Of course, yeah. Let's pick on Tether first because this one's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You have to go back to 1922, I think, to have a worse year for combination of assets yep. like we've had. Yes. Okay. So the traditional 60-40 stock bond thing blew up, right? You had, you know, like traditional hedge funds down 50%. Me being all cash, I was down. I'm up a little for the year, but I was I was even down being in all cash because two-year notes fell by 400 basis points, right? Okay. Amazing, yep. So how does Tether, which took in all these dollars and invested in some percentage of illiquid assets – in a year where everything other than commodities, and I got a hunch they didn't have a lot of those, how, how does that, how do they not break the buck? So that is a rhetorical question. Of course, okay, Boomer, you don't understand. Please, Fine, no, I don't get it. There's hey, not a lot I, of that. Those people have okay. piped down, dude. Those people have piped down. Well, whoever found us that uh, lecture, from the Berkeley professor about, oh yeah, this technology is from the seventies. Should have sent let that, me tell you, should have sent it a year ago, pal. <laughs> let me tell you about technology in the seventies. Cause I was there. We used, when I wrote code, you can imagine the kind of code I wrote, right? Morris writing code. Good God. We're yeah. learning something really here so, today. So you would write it. You would write it on a sheet of paper. Then you would sit in front of this huge fucking machine and type it into a, a card. And each line of code was on one card. And so you would type out your 20 cards. You'd run them through this card reader. It would be like, like a Scantron machine. Yeah. Yeah. And then you came back three hours later because you were in the queue for the, what they called the batch, right? Yep. So yep, after yep. Th- after three hours, you go and you find out that at line three, you made a mistake and your program bombed. So now after four hours of typing, you'd have to go back. And, and this is one of the little tricks they teach you. Like line one, you don't write as line one. You write as line 10. Because if you went one, two, three, and you found out you needed to insert something, you couldn't insert something between one and two, but you could insert something between 10 and 20. Okay. So this is the technology we're talking about in the late seventies. The professor is saying this blockchain, this 
this hash chain mm-hmm. was invented then. So you you go from what I was doing and asteroids, right? Yeah. To guys having sex on the internet. That's what's <laughs> happened over yes. my lifetime, right? <laughs> so the the spiel that this is new technology is just let's just let's just cut the farce. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's just yes. grow up in it. Okay. Then um so Tether won't get an audit. No. Yet even without the audit, we know that any asset but let's just say half the assets they had were nothing but overnight repo, meaning there's absolutely no price risk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the other half's down 30%. Yep. I, so that would mean it's 85 cents versus mm-hmm. the dollar. I, how mm-hmm. they alive? You know, some people go to wards. Some mm-hmm. people go to the evangelical churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. You go to the doctor, he says, you're going to die. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. um, so you can you can do your little dance and pretend that it's fine. But mm-hmm. you got some schmo like this kid who Maxine Waters is blowing kisses to. You saw that, mm-hmm. right? Of course I saw it. OK, right? so you got an 84 year old woman with a degree in sociology <laughs> who has a net worth of 10 million dollars. Interesting people want to know. Yeah. I'm yep. sure she got it legitimately by mm-hmm. hearing things that was gonna, were going to make stocks go up, mm-hmm. telling her husband, mm-hmm. which is perfectly legal. Legal, yeah. There's not, no rules yeah, against it's, that. It's yeah. splendid. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, let's go to the Grayscale Trust. Now, I've not picked on this one for, for ever. But, uh, and once again, the preamble, 99% of the listeners know more about this stuff than I do. Yep. But as as you know, knowing me for over 10 years, that's never stopped me before. Right. We okay. proceed. So anything that's trading a 40-something percent discount. <laughs> okay. Thank you. First of all. Uh, 40% uh, discount. Okay. So here's what I'm saying. And once again, I, inv- I invite them to sue me. Okay. It's fraud. And let me explain to you why it's fraud. Okay, because they won't prove they actually own the the tokens. Yeah. So they they said for security reasons we can't prove to you that we own them. Now I I read this on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as Abe Lincoln, Abe Lincoln said, everything on the internet's true. So, but I don't believe them. I believe you can prove that you own them. There's other ways to do it. You can hire a law firm. Like mm-hmm. um, the guy who ran Apollo, uh, Leon Leon, uh, Leon Black. Leon Black, yeah, he hired Deckard, and yep. they did a deep dive to prove he had no sexual relations. And the hundred million for trust fees he paid uh, Jeffrey Epstein were completely legitimate. So there's yeah. plenty of law firms out there that the state will do tax this kind of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a state tax point. Yeah. So forty percent discount. That that tells me a number Dude. of things. One is that those coins are gone. That's number one. Number two, guys have ARBs set up against that. So they're they're long that thing and they're short Bitcoin against it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, your long's gone. Right? <laughs> you're short you're short, which is probably at the mark. 
I know the Merc, you know? The Merc was a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. You, sir, are no Merc, right? <laughs> you saw Duke and Duke, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, uh, trading places? Yeah. yeah. Margin or- call, orange- gentlemen. Dude, Orange right? Juice futures are really high. Like, orange Juice yeah. has been ripping lately. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not kidding. Yeah, I that. could <laughs> I could sit here all day and, and go on about this stuff. But, you know, I, I mean, the truth of the matter is two years ago, almost two years ago. Mm, yeah. A very dear, close personal friend of mine got involved with some guys to do some Bitcoin custody. I remember. And, uh, you know, I wasn't crazy about the idea, but it, it, it's a, a, a close personal friend like like you and me, mm-hmm. right? We took vacations mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. You know, we played golf together. We went to war mm-hmm. together. We prepped mm-hmm. together. So he's doing this thing and he's doing a fundraise and he's looking for X millions of dollars. And, and I was pretty early in the pecking order about who he was talking to. And I said, here's the story. I, I don't do deals anymore. You remember the Paperwork Reduction Act of 2013. Mm-hmm. But I said, for you, I'm in. But I want a chunk of the thing. It's like, if it's going to work, I want it to move the needle. Mm-hmm. So I, I I asked for basically 20%, I think, of what they were trying to raise. Mm-hmm. And uh, the usual suspects show up. And you can figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. And then I can tell my buddy is getting pressure because these pigs got their snout in the trough so much. Mm-hmm. They don't want anyone to get anything. And finally... I'm like, am I looking at getting like 25%? He's like, I'm, I'm going to try. And I'm like, listen, I, I love you. I don't want this mm-hmm. to be an issue. You just, I'm out. Just take mm-hmm. me out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But part of this process involved me understanding the safekeeping of crypto. And the, the long and the short of it is there isn't any. <laughs> like not your keys, not your crypto. <laughs> I, I don't understand how cavalierly. So mm-hmm. one of the uh, listeners mentioned about, uh, I may get this wrong, but I don't know if it was Fidelity. Fidelity, you're or, right. You got it right. You got it right. With the gal. The, the you gal got it right. Who yeah. owns it. Okay. So they've been mining since 2014, destroying this fragile earth of ours relentlessly day in and yeah. day out. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now they're making Bitcoin available to the retail investor. So I, I figured in the course of being a card carrying member of the fourth estate that I should research this. Well, I went to right. the website and I, I couldn't find out anything other than, you know, stay tuned. But I right. went and Trust looked us. into this. <laughs> Went, I don't use that term. <laughs> um, I, they talked about security and they were using, oh, cutting edge, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dual Please. factor authorization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but nowhere, anywhere does it say, oh, we guarantee your Bitcoin is safe. No, and not hearing that. So, you know, you think you're smarter than everybody else. You, you might well be, but um, <laughs> good luck to you. And may the rose rise up up to meet your feet. Yeah, wind at your back. 
I'm so sick of it, dude. I'm so sick of it. I really want to know what's bothering you. Forget about the crypto stuff. What else bothered you besides the looming recession? What else made you pull the trigger this week? Besides that, what, what's gonna... nagging at? What, what's bothering you? I know there's there's got to be a list. It's not just the looming recession. There, there's more to it than that. It, it, it is. You will believe me, but most people won't. You ready? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I have reintroduced structured training into my cycling. Okay. Now I'm 62. Mm -hmm. I have, we've agreed upon the definitive best mountain bike coach in the world is my coach. Yep. And as I've said to him way too many times, listen, I didn't grow up, grow up playing Texas high school football. I grew up being a Jewish kid playing golf and tennis. Mm -hmm. nary a tear was shed for me when he was (laughs) pounding my ass into oblivion but he made a man out of me i got the buckle the rest is history right so you know i fucked my back up but slowly Mm -hmm. but surely things are getting better Mm -hmm. but i've like had eight months of detraining Mm -hmm. so now i'm like a 62 year old Mm, uh, i'm not uh, not, uh, He's not 62, no. is he? No. But, but it's, he's in 62. His, fit, his fitness fluctuates. <laughs> did DeLuca ride in uh, Nationals yesterday? Cross Nationals? How yes. did he do? He beat the person you know, that we wanted him to beat. He okay. finished the race. He didn't get pulled. He finished in the, the top 40, okay. and he beat the guy that we wanted right. to beat. He had a good day that and fin- he had fun. That FinCraft guy? Uh, I don't know where he finished. No, oh, he beat, okay. he, he beat another right. person right. that we wanted to beat. So thank you, Chris to, to Luco. He's a nice kid. I like him. He's the best. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really mm-hmm. have a lot of, a lot of respect for him. He did try to pay me a compliment once. Of course, I took it the wrong <laughs> way. We were, we we were waiting for gimbals, and I was complaining <laughs> about something, and I made some comment on it. It's so fucking hard. And he's like. Dude, I wish I could ride like you when I'm your age. <laughs> <laughs> never going to forget um, it, Deluco. <laughs> never. No. No. Um, so why am I... So you're training. Because, so you're back on the bike. Yeah. And I'm fucking tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you don't have the mental yeah. bandwidth and the physical bandwidth to get back at the desk yeah. at 2 o'clock in the afternoon after you've been on the ride. Yeah. To worry yeah. about um, what SPX is doing. When you uh, when you were riding regularly, did you take a recovery drink after? Did you do that R four stuff? No. You familiar with no, what I'm talking I was about? Dis- no, I was disgusted by that stuff. Okay. Well, for those who are denizens, uh, not denizens to the cycling industry, uh, there's a whole pre-ride, post-ride protocol, mostly. So you can avoid spending time with your children and significant <laughs> others, but <laughs> I'm so kidding. True. So it's true. certainly less, certainly less time than playing golf. But one of the things you drink after a hard ride is a recovery drink, and, and people use different things. A lot of guys like full fat chocolate milk because Gross. it's tasty and yep. it's supposed to be good for you. I drank this stuff. I don't know if they still make it. It's called R4, and yeah. it, it was a combination of protein and carbohydrate and there's the placebo effect obviously but i could tell like if i didn't take it 
after a hard workout, the next day, like getting out of bed was tough. And so, cause I'm, cause I'm on this keto diet. I can't drink uh-huh. it cause there's too many carbohydrates. So, you know, I'm waking up and I'm mm-hmm. not in my life the best mood. So, uh-huh. you know, being two hours behind New York. Yeah. Uh, I did receive some good news, potentially mm. great news. Apparently sake only has 1.5 grams of carbohydrates per ounce. Gross, so dude. I can I, have I, like, me, I, dude, I just started sweating because I've had like late nights down at like Blue Ribbon Sushi. Okay. I'm not here to plug. I don't work for Blue Ribbon. They just have great restaurants. Blue Ribbon Sushi, dude, the hot sake that they bring you. And they'll just keep feeding you fish. And, and like, I can just remember, dude, like, it's yeah. enough. Like, after, like, you can have like one or two little cups of hot sake. And it's like, no. that's it. You got to stop. <laughs> you can't do it. Because two and a half hours into it, you're like. (laughs) Listen to me, grasshopper. Okay. No hot sake. Okay. Repeat that. I want to say that. No hot sake. Okay. Okay. No hot. Cold, cold, hot sake. Cold sake. (laughs) Cold sake. Okay. Okay. Trust me. You can drink way more of it. You feel better the next day. That's what Um, what I'm looking to do. The last time I had sake was at Yeshuda with one of my real estate buddies. And, um, you know, knowing that Dave is waiting outside the restaurant for me, all I got to do is get up. Yeah, 10 steps. Quick stop, quick stop to the men's room, back of the car. Next thing I know, I wake up, he pushes me out of the car and I crawl into the house. Right? So I'm having, I'm having dinner with my real estate buddy. And we get one of these 720 milliliter bottles of sake. It's like mm-hmm. a wine bottle size of sake. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we go back and forth taking terms, pan for dinner. And mm-hmm. we're at Sushi Yoshida, which used to be the best in Manhattan. No more. Okay. Off the list. Right, anyway, I have so much sake that the bill comes and the bill's <laughs> like 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I go to put 20% tip on it and I come up with a thousand dollars. I didn't know that was, under, I didn't know that was sake was involved that night. <laughs> now, Rich, I thought I'm you blamed looking. your eyesight. I think you, you used a, a bunch of, 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 of reasons behind it. I think it was eyesight. We've used eyesight. Now it's so- the truth is it was sake. Okay. The, the truth comes out. But okay. gen- right. fortunately, genetically, I'm looking at this and something doesn't seem right. You know, it's it's in the yeah. genetics, right? Yes, so I take yes, out I the phone. So I so I fixed that, and I haven't had sake since then. But uh, I think this weekend, uh, <laughs> with that new news, uh, okay. um, so I don't know. Uh, so you've sold off. So you sold off your equity, so you can focus on on riding and drinking. Um, and well, I, our friend uh, from Morgan Stanley, yes. Ellen Zentner, Mike Wilson. Which Mike one? Wilson. We have a lot over there. Yeah, we got a bunch of friends yeah. over there. He said, I believe that bonds were going to go up in the first half. Yep. And stocks were going to go up in the second half. I like that. I'm going with that. Fire and ice. I think he, he's, he called it fire and ice like nine months ago, dude. He has been radar locked and dead on target dude um and i'm glad that like once once you start listening and oh so he you thought about that so that's interesting that like yeah the word yeah like like he's he's thank you thank you that makes me so happy like because 
Oh, it bothers I'm, me that you I'm, listen to the guys like Gave Cal because to me they, eh, eh, I feel, I feel like they sometimes you well, put too okay. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but uh, but Mike Wilson, man, he's been good. Him and Ellen Zentner, those two, Morgan Stanley, yeah. yeah so I uh, I think uh, right now that's my rubric. But I, okay. I had an interesting uh, thing come up, and you know, there's this whole notion of. Uh, kind of the zeitgeist, like a thought will yeah. get transferred. I love that, so, yes. yes. Um, I was reading a quote on uh, our friend Kevin's uh, yes. macro feed. And it was this, from this fellow named Peter Borish, who I've met twice, once in 1987, right after the stock market crash, and once in 2013, right before we closed 515 Capital. And, okay. and so I didn't, I mean, it's only two times. He seemed like a decent guy. I think he went mm-hmm. to University of Michigan. But he was there with Paul Jones when they made that big killing. So, okay. he, you know, whether it was his idea or not, who cares? He was on mm-hmm. the winning team. So, uh, you know, good for him. But he was quoted, and, and the quote was about looking for traitors. And if I can read this, he said, the people I think who can make consistent amounts of money are the people that worry about protecting themselves. The upside will take care of itself. You have to play a good defense. Now think about that for a second, okay? I got a card from an erstwhile colleague and uh, dated... December 1st, 2022. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, it says, Dear Morris, during this holiday season, I've had the opportunity to step back and take stock of my career, and you keep popping up in my mind. So I thought it appropriate to reach out to say thank you. Here's the part that is important. From thinking outside the box about what adverse scenarios could play out to managing and properly aligning incentives, I find myself time and time again referencing how you did things. So you had someone making an observation about me, which I I was genuinely touched by this, right? Because you can have all the money in the world. And then I live in an area where people are rich and they're, most mm-hmm. of them are fucking idiots. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. don't conflate wealth with intelligence. Okay. So I got a very nice note from this guy, probably around your age. I'm going to probably have it printed up a thousand times and hand it <laughs> out. Put it on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and then you have Peter Borsch. And it, it comes back to this thing that we've talked about all along. It's like just you know, first of all, do no harm. Make sure you know what you're doing. Stick to what you know. And uh, at least in two instances, me and Paul Jones, you know, he's done well, I think. I don't know. You probably heard it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you got time for a little personal quasi-Paul Jones story? Let me let or me say this. A- like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But before we before we go to Paul Jones, and we still have to do Carvana too. We're not done here. Um, oh, let's. But go, let me yeah, say yeah, yeah. no, no, okay. Because let me say because you like you got that card from a colleague, but 
I think I'll, I'll speak for, I mean, I sit here and listen to the show like every other listener. All right. This is still, this is still me listening to you. And dude, that applies to me. And I'm sure it applies to every listener. You're not listening every week unless you're interested in what MB's saying. And you've got to have him in the back of your voice, uh, in the back of your head. Like, dude, I can't tell you how many times I think about you using, saying knuckling around. Okay. If you had never said that term to me, knuckling around, I'd be at my computer all day long, day trading GameStop and doing stupid shit like that. But that, that just those two words, knuckling around, put, put it put it out extinguish that for me all right so like all the things like dude like the the, the risk aversion t- talking about if you don't love the trade take it off i can make a list of a hundred things that i've learned like that over the course of the show oh, thank but you. like that's from a thank colleague you. but like every listener i think and and tell and you guys can email me and tell me if i'm wrong or email me and tell me if i'm right inside baseball cast at gmail because that's why I love doing this show with you because there's been so much of that is like, dude, anyone that sits down, I would say in the course of a dating of, of a trading day or watching the market during the week, if you're listening to him on to Morris on the weekend, he pops into your head during the week. You can't go a day without being like, oh yeah, MB talked about that. Oh, well, that's bullshit. We know that. Okay. They talk like, dude, it's fantastic. It's been such a gift. Wow. It really has. Um, you're so like, very, thank, I want to thank that colleague, whoever that was for writing that to you, because 85% of the listeners are the silent. They, they listen, they don't, they don't write emails. They don't, they're not on Twitter, but they love the show. We know that they're out there. The statistics we get every week are astounding. We can't imagine how many people from around the world listen. And that's why, like the, the, that's the whole point of the show is to have that letter come to you and be like, during the week, I thought of you. And I thought of you, dude, like my, my both my parents are teachers and I'm always amazed that students that they taught 30 years ago, come back and ask my mother for advice all the time. It never fails. She has thousands of students like that come back and always asking her going to lunch. She's like, oh, I'm going to lunch with students. It's the same thing for you. But instead of students, like it, it's just the same oh, exact thing that the, when the people leave an imprint in your life and they'll be like, oh, I wonder what Mrs. Allen would say about this. Or I thought about Mrs. Allen or like something like that. It's the same thing with you. That's and then nice. like this, you yeah. doing the show has been such a blessing. Um, but Carvana, well, thank I'm, you. Done, I'm done. But that, thank, that you. thank you. I want to thank the listeners because we couldn't have done it without them. If there was only 500 people listening every week, I ne- we never would have done it. We might have done it because it's fun, and I like talking to MB, and I, we don't really care about the listeners. So thousands of people listen every week, so it's working. So we I, you know, thank you guys for doing this because you know that it means a lot to MB. He gets the card from the colleague. So that's well, all I want to say. I guess right. this is a good time for the bad news. Um, <laughs> we, I noticed Disney Plus is increasing their subscription $3 a month, so... Um, as of January one, our our platinum subscriptions going up three dollars a month. Okay, private, but, make my account um, private. So so um, uh, let's do Carvana. We'll end the okay. show with my Paul Jones okay. story, and then we'll mm-hmm. hopefully <laughs> this thing will get posted. I was going to say, we have, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Carvana story has been just such a treat for me, as you know. And I and I don't think I've talked about it on the show, but um, yeah, I, I've been following. If you follow the any of the meme stocks or or the Carvana story, it's run by these Garcia guys. Um, and they have a long storied history of sketchy business dealings and and whatever. And whatever, I always I like to read the, the personal details. And in the Wikipedia page, it says Ernest Garcia the second or Ernest Garcia the third got his start as a as something something at at RBC Capital Greenwich Markets. And I said, whoa, look at that. Pr- principal <laughs> investments. 
at Greenwich yes. Capital Markets. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there was no such department. <laughs> <laughs> I said, look at Morris, he started at RBC Greenwich. And he goes, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, we had the we had the treasure dealership, which you know was just a limited <laughs> amount of money. Exactly. <laughs> and then and then the mortgage department where we rape and pillage till we blew up. Yeah. But yeah, other yeah, than exactly. that, that was that was pretty much what it was. So so yeah, so that uh once again, um I'm happy to see to be proven otherwise, but being on the board of directors and a partner level guy since nineteen ninety two. I don't believe we had a principal investing department, okay. to the best of Thank my you. knowledge, Your Honor. Mm. So yeah. the uh, the final Paul Tudor Jones thing, I, it's it's really has very little to do with him. But you know, you see these Wall Street guys, and they're they're living the big life, right? And you realize after. Coming through the way I did, I was very fortunate with my timing, right people, right place, right time, yep, the whole yep, thing. Yep. Right? And so in the uh, mid-90s, I got put in charge of the foreign bond trading, which to this day, if you ask Cheryl, she says it's the most ludicrous thing she ever heard because uh, prior to that, I had been to London once, and that was <laughs> it, right? <laughs> so, so we moved the family for the summers to London. That way I can, I don't have to go up and back every week. Mm. And, and of course, being in London, you're very close to Europe. So she's like, how would you feel about if we took a couple of weekends, left the kids with the babysitter, and we hit a couple of spots? And the stuff was nowhere near as expensive as it is now, right? So we went to this one place it was the Grand Hotel in Capferrat, which okay. is is ritzy, is ritzy gets. Like um, yeah. you would drive to this little village called Ez. You could drive to Monaco. It was nice. like for us, yeah. you know, the, the the two kids from the Midwest. From, yeah, Midwest. 30, yeah, yeah. 35 years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. So they have this pool that overlooks the Mediterranean. And it's it's literally like lifestyles of the rich and famous. Of course, like the buffet is like sixty five bucks a head. So like I'm not I'm not eating there. But, but anyway, we're, we're, we we had lunch there. We had lunch there. Um, so I'm kind of like hanging out in the pool, and there's some guy there, and we strike up a conversation. Oh, I'm Morris, and he says he's so and so. Oh, where are you from, Greenwich? Where are you from, Greenwich? Oh, small. What road do you live on? I live on this road. Oh, I live on that road. Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, do you work in town?" He says, "Yeah. Where Where do you work?" And he says, "600 Steamboat Road." And I'm like, <laughs> "Come on." <laughs> He's like, "What?" I go, "I work at 600. I work at 600 Steamboat Road." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, you either work for Greenwich, and you can't, because mm-hmm. otherwise I'd know you, or yep. you work for Long Term Capital Management." Mm-hmm. And you have too much personality to work for them. <laughs> so you must work for Tudor. He says, yeah, I, I, I work for Tudor. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I met the wife. We went out to dinner once and we make all these promises. Uh, we'll get together when we get back to Greenwich, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we get we get back to Greenwich and uh, we go out to dinner with him once. 
And the wife seems a little off. You know, just it's one of those times you go out with a couple. Yep. You don't really hit it off, but okay. Well, anyway, every day she's calling Cheryl to like make another dinner date. And Cheryl's like finding reasons not 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 to go, right? And and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden when I'm out of town, like at two in the morning the phone rings and Cheryl will pick up and there's there's no answer. And that's back when the caller ID thing has just started coming up. Like you could see the number yeah. of who was called. Okay, so she mm-hmm. writes down the number and you know if it continues, we'll figure it out. So it happens like half a dozen times. And uh, finally, one day, we get a call. The call comes through as Cheryl picks up, and it's this woman. And we had talked about taking a family vacation out west. One of my partners who introduced me to the, that airport business that engulfed mm-hmm. me, he mm-hmm. bought a, a presidential retreat in Moose, Wyoming, that is okay. spectacular. Yeah. And they turned it into a guest ranch. But yeah. it, it would get filled up right away because it was small and the Grinch Capital people would go. But somehow this couple, we must have talked about a dinner that we're taking yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this woman calls up the ranch and says, we're friends of the Saxes. They guaranteed us you would find space for us. And, and she somehow gets them to give her a room, right? And so uh, the the wife calls Cheryl and says, guess what? We're going to be at the ranch the same time as you are. So Cheryl calls me at work. She's freaking out. I'm She's sure. She's absolutely freaking out. So I don't know whether Cheryl called back or I called back. And we said, I said to my partner, I go, look, this is a whacked out situation. They can come or we can come, but we're not both coming. And he was an older gentleman. You know, we got on very well. He's like, take it off your things to worry about. I'll just tell them they can't come. So anyway, he sends one of his minions to call this woman back. And the woman throws us under the bus. She says, Mrs. Sachs called and said you're stalking her. Right? So we've canceled your reservation. So this woman gets in the car. Right? Drives to our house and is pounding on the door. Let me in. Stop. Let me in. No, no. It gets better or worse, depending. So, of course, the cleaning lady sees this crazy woman. Doesn't let her in. Yeah. She tells Cheryl. This is like 20 minutes ago by. Cheryl calls me and starts explaining to me that the guy and the woman were here screaming, lost their mind. And all of a sudden, you know how like on the big trading desk they have, we call them hooting hollers. Like you could punch a number in and you could talk. It was okay, like an yeah, overhead yeah. intercom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I'm talking to Cheryl and I hear my buzzer go off and it's Cindy, the receptionist. And she says, Morris, so-and-so is in the lobby. And I look and it's this couple standing in the lobby of the vestibule. What the, the vestibule, fuck? Elevator yeah. And I'm like, I'm like. This is happening to me? Can this possibly be happening to me? I'm like, fuck it. Okay. Because there's an element of me that likes this stuff. There's no guns at this point, right? So I walk out and I I take them into a conference room. And and they're going, 
what's with the stocking? We love you guys, yada, yada, yada. You know, we're so hurt. And I said, well, look, here's the story. We were getting these phone calls at two in the morning and we wrote down the number. Yeah. And we called the authorities and this and that. And the number is your house. So yeah. you guys have been calling our house, oddly enough, just when I'm out of town. And it's freaking yeah. Cheryl out and it's got to stop. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, you don't have to know what I'm talking about, but yeah. enough. Right. Okay. So uh, we're out to dinner not long after with another couple. And this woman's like, this woman's a high power divorce attorney. Okay. She would tell us these great stories about, of like, course, you know, the, the husbands and the wives, you know, yep. they'll get drunk and they'll be fooling around and the wife will talk her husband into putting on a dress or something. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah, divorce yeah. proceedings. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, and he put on a dress. And, and so we talk, <laughs> we, we're like, I, we don't know what to do. And, and Cheryl's not getting afraid because she's bumping into this woman. And, yeah. and, um, and so the woman says, she writes down a guy's name and number. She says, call this guy. Me with him, your problem will go away. And she says it in such a way, I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I called the guy. I, I called the guy, yeah. explain him the situation. He says, okay, I'd like to come over and meet you. He comes over to the house. He's five eight tall, five eight wide, zero percent body fat. He's got a Glock on his hip, right? He's got a muscle shirt on and he would sit down in my office with Cheryl and I, mm-hmm. you know, I give him the whole thing mm-hmm. and I, I said, can you help? And he says, absolutely. And I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm, I'm going to research the situation and then I'm going to go over to these people's house, just like I'm comported here, which was very professionally, but menacingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm going to ask Mrs. So-and-so politely to stop bothering Mrs. Sachs. And I have a hundred percent success rate with this thing. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. And and so that happens and I get the bill and the bill was mm-hmm. it was free. Ostensibly it was free. free, right? Yeah. <laughs> but just as a um addendum or a uh epilogue to the mm-hmm. story, this woman went on to uh be in the Greenwich uh, time for driving her car into her ex-husband's garage door in a moment of anger. And then I think hit a dog and left the scene <laughs> of the accident only to be caught on one of those mini cams. And, yes. and I think she's since left the area. So okay, that's what it's like Jeez. without having your name in the press. Can you imagine Pork, the pressure Kanye must be under? I can't imagine. <laughs> Goodbye. Was there? That was is, there any- I, 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 what else you got? You show got a stalker, dude. Hey, listen to me. This is my whole life. I can do. I can do hours of this. And you know what? This is the tip of the iceberg. You have no idea. You you don't want to know. You do I do. I wanna, what other, what other problems have you had go made go away for free? By- <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's all right. Since we're still on the air, we haven't all right. Since we haven't gotten kicked off by the network, um, where where do we go from here? Okay, what what's happening now? Um, what is your what is your outlook towards the market going forward? What are you looking for? Or are you just going to take a breather until January? 
so I've lightened up. First of all, I have no stocks. Yep. Okay, gone. Those uh, floating rate notes got dragged up with everything else to the point I think they're on the rich side. So I've cut the position in half there. Okay. Okay. Uh, everything else is sitting in six-month treasury bills for two reasons. One is they're the highest yielding thing on the board. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, secondly, the bid offer spread is zero. So if they smash shit that looks attractive, I got cash. Awesome. I, I'm content. I'm content to wait for my next punch on the ticket. And I'm, I think I've been pretty transparent other than giving you specific buy this, don't buy that. I, yeah. Like I said, that, that theme we talked about, we can't tell whether it's July or August, but we can tell whether it's January yep. or July. Yep. That's mm-hmm. I, I'm really embracing that. And, and that's why with the recession coming, I'm happy to earn the awesome. risk-free rate of return and wait for something because people always make mistakes in a panic. And you mm-hmm. want to be there to take the other side. Awesome. Incredible. Thank you, dude. You've been, this was awesome. Great, great show. Great seeing you. Be well. Cheers. I'll talk to you soon, pal.